Well, once again, it's great to be with you this morning, and it's good to be loved by God with you. This morning, we're taking a look at Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. There's some notes on page 6 in your service folder. If you'd like to follow along, you're welcome to do that. And if you've got one of these Bibles and you want to follow along in the Bible, we're on page 806 this morning, page 806. Let's pray for God, the Holy Spirit, to come to us as we hear his word. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would send us the Holy Spirit this morning and make us holy as we hear your word, for your word is truth. Amen. So I've got a few pieces of advice for all of us this morning, and what I'd like you to do is pick one of those pieces of advice. I realize that in life you're not required if somebody gives you advice to accept it, but this morning it's multiple choice and you don't have a choice. You have to choose one of them at least. So here's three pieces of advice, and I'd like you to pick one of them. Which one of these do you want to take for yourself? Think happy. If you want to offer people something truly extraordinary, don't ask your current customers. Don't ask the people in your life, the people you currently serve. And lastly, money is the answer for everything. Which of those three pieces of advice are you going to take? I'm not going to take a straw poll. Just put your finger down on the paper on one of them. Or, you know, put your fingers on your lap and say, I'm taking one or two or three. All right, got it? Now, I realize that when we get advice from people, we've got a whole host of criteria that we use to filter out that advice. We, we use, you know, our current goals and dreams. Does this encourage me along that way? We, we use our current challenges. Does this challenge something in my life? Does this help me get to something that I, I think I should be doing differently? We use our past experiences. We use our current, uh, you know, financial situation and, and a bunch of other things to decide whether or not we want to take people's advice. Um, but one of the things I think we also do and I'm, I'm going to see if, if, it's, if this is true. I'm going to tell you the net worth of each of the people who gave this piece of advice. And, well, here we go. See if this changes your opinion about any of these. Here's the net worth of each of these people who gave this advice. Think happy, that person has about $5,000. If you want to offer people something truly extraordinary, don't ask your current customers. $110 billion. And money is the answer for everything, $2 trillion. Now, I think we're all probably too upstanding of individuals to say we changed our opinion just because we saw how much money each of these individuals take. Any, any of you change your opinion? You don't have to show me hands. Any of you change your opinion just because you saw how much they made? No? You're all like... No way, I'm not changing my opinion, you know. Money doesn't matter that much to me. But, but really, how many of us doesn't, don't look at this and think, wait a second, the guy who has $2 trillion says money is the answer for everything? Maybe I'm just wrong, right? Maybe I've always believed money's not the answer for everything. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I really do need to believe it. Because wouldn't it be nice to have $2 trillion? By the way, you, know, you should know, nobody alive has $2 trillion. Uh, and so obviously this is somebody from long ago. This is King Solomon. Uh, this is in the Bible. Money is the answer for everything. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 10, I think. And Now, we, we don't know quite if Solomon was serious. It was in the middle of him, of him musing about stuff. But doesn't that make you think just a little bit? I, I, 
I think we, we do factor in to some extent how much uh, net worth people have when they give us advice. I, I think of an embarrassing example for myself. We were discussing at a, a business meeting a while back uh, a business issue, and I said, oh, I'd like to talk to a, a couple of people, a couple of our business people, before we, we go too much further down the line with this. And, and kind of initially, everybody pushed back. They said, well, oh, I don't know if we need to do that. Why can't we just discuss it right now, and we can get through the situation? We don't need anybody else's. And I said, well, I'd like to really talk to so-and-so and so-and-so. And it was okay fine sure we can do that and and I realized that part of the reason that everybody said it's okay if if you go and do that if you talk to those individuals is because they respect them we we hold them in high regard and, and we consider them but they're also the people who have some of the highest net worth among us and we kind of all know that so there's we do factor in and maybe whether we like it or not, we, we say to ourselves that the more we have, the more trustworthy people are. And, and, and I'm not saying that that's necessary to do, but isn't there some of us, some part in us that believes that a little bit? And God this morning wants to show how we can really be trustworthy. How can we be trustworthy, reliable people? And, and what do our money, what is our money and what is our finances, what, have, what does all of the assets that we have have to do with that? See, the thing is, is as God begins this morning and, and he tells us this parable in Matthew chapter 25, he is not only talking about money, but he seems to say the more we have, the more trustworthy we are. We've got three individuals, and the first person gets five bags of gold, and the second person gets two bags of gold, and the last person gets one bag of gold. And after they do their work, they report back to their master. The last guy, he he gets thrown out of his master's house. The other two guys, they, they're pretty successful, and they've got five and two more bags of gold. And the master says to them, come and share in your master's happiness. And so I ask you, which person would you ask for advice? Would you go and ask the guy who had one bag of gold and got thrown out of his master's house for advice? Of course not. I mean, that would be crazy. Of course you would go and ask the guy who had five bags of gold and the guy who had two bags of gold. And so the, the story practically screams at us. The more we have the more trustworthy we become. And, and even to put a finer point on it, if you had to ask one of these guys how to get in good with God, which guy would you ask? Would you ask the guys who have more money? So the, the story is practically screaming at us that the more we have, the, less, the more trustworthy we become. The, the, the problem is, is that money makes us blind. And Jesus does a really good job of teaching that. Matthew chapter 26, uh, Matthew chapter 6, excuse me, Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and he, he tells this illustration. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. It's the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And, and what that means is, it's really pretty simple. It sounds kind of confusing, but we are in this room. There's a lot of light in this room. And if your eyes are healthy and they are working well, 
there's light all around your body. Your body is full of light. You can walk around in the room and you won't crash into things. You won't run into the baptismal font or stub your toe on the front chairs because you can see where you're going. On the other hand, if you have glaucoma or you have cataracts or you're starting to go blind, you can't see, right? Your eyes are unhealthy and you are full of darkness. You're, you're walking around in darkness. It's simple biology 101. People who have healthy eyes have a leg up, have an advantage uh, compared to those people who, who don't have healthy eyes. Okay? What's your point, Jesus, right? What, I mean, <laughs> what does this have to do with anything? Well, the thing is, is Jesus is telling us this right in the middle as he teaches about money. Right before it, what he says is, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth. And right after he says this, he says, you can't serve both God and money. And in the middle, what he says is, I really hope your eyes are healthy or you're going to live in darkness. What's he saying? Most commentators realize that what Jesus is saying is money makes us blind. Or or more particularly, Greed makes us blind. Greed clouds our eyes, so we end up like the last slave in this story, getting thrown out and living in darkness. And and let me just ask you, I think I can ask you this, isn't there some truth to this? Even if we say money doesn't, Money doesn't sway us in terms of advice. When was the last time you confessed to somebody the sin of greed? When was the last time you went to somebody and said, uh, you know, I think I've really become greedy. And yet, you know what we do really well? We're, we're really good at looking at a city official and saying, oh, they're cracking down on, you know, the, uh, on, on the enforcement of parking or on the enforcement of picking up your trash along the curb. Because, because why? Because they need more taxes, right? They need more money to support the city. And we're, aren't we really good at looking at athletes and saying, why did that guy switch teams? Oh, because he wants more money. Right? Are we really good at looking at a family that is squabbling after a loved one dies and say, oh, why are they fighting? Oh, because they're all fighting over the money, aren't they? Right? We see it so easily in other people. But, but does greed and materialism maybe cloud our own eyes? And the thing where that happens when greed and materialism like that clouds our eyes is we think, we think money makes us more trustworthy, but in reality, it, it makes us less trustworthy. Just one example. There's this kind of uh, well-known story from about 50 years ago where the uh, pastor was serving a farmer. And the farmer, he came into his house one day and he said to his wife, Great news, sweetheart. Uh, the cow had her calves. We've got one red calf and one white calf. Isn't that great news? And then he went on to say, I think we should dedicate one of these calves to the Lord. Uh, We're going to raise them both the same. And when the time comes, we're going to sell the one calf and we'll give the proceeds to the Lord's work. And we're going to keep the other calf uh, and then we'll eventually sell it and we'll, we'll keep the proceeds for ourselves. And so his wife said to him, well, which calf are you going to dedicate to the Lord? Oh, and he said, well, we'll just treat them both the same. And when the time comes, we'll make our decision. Uh, And that's what we'll do. That'll be okay. 
And then a couple days later, he comes into the house and he's really sad. He says to his wife, sad news, the calf died. The Lord's calf died. And his wife says to him, wait a second, I thought you said you didn't choose which one to dedicate. Oh, I I did. I decided. I decided it was the white one, and the white one died. The Lord's calf died. See, we tend to think that the, the more we have, the more trustworthy we'll become, right? When in reality, money makes you blind, and the more he had, the less trustworthy he became. The reality is, though, is we still, everybody has to trust Somebody, right? Everybody has to trust someone or or something. And the the only question is whether or not the thing you trust will make you more trustworthy or less trustworthy. And this story, this story practically screams that at us. The, The master gives his gold to his servants because he's going away and, and because he trusts them more than anybody else. The master could have given his gold to his other fellow noblemen. But he doesn't trust them, does he? The master could have given the gold to the bank, but he he doesn't trust the bank as much as he trusts his own servants. The master could have dug a hole in the ground and put his gold in the ground, but he doesn't trust that hole in the ground as much as he trusts his servants. The story says he entrusted his servants with wealth. And what then God is saying to me is, is, you know, everybody has to trust something. This is the first commandment. You should fear, love, and trust in God. And certainly that means you should trust God, but it also means everybody has to trust something. What do you trust? Does the thing that you trust make you more trustworthy? What about this? What about this story? What about these men? These two men who had five bags of gold and two bags of gold, they come back and they they report back to their master everything that had happened. And they hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Now, how do you hear these words? I think a lot of us, we hear these words and we think, good job, work hard, and God will accept you. Is that how you you hear these words? Do a good job in life. If you work hard enough, then then God will love you. God will accept you, and you'll get into heaven someday. And and, and isn't that how a lot of people see their religious life? It's it's duty. It's duty. It's it's obligation. How many people don't walk around saying, you know, if as long as I'm a good person, that'll be okay? And 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 maybe maybe we say that sometimes too. That's that's not the gospel. That's not real religion. That's false religion. That's false religiosity. That's simply saying to myself, as long as I'm a good person, God will accept me. Do you know what God actually says in this story to you and to me? He says this, and I I put it down at the bottom there underneath the quote. He says, you have been a believer about little things. He does say, good job. He says, great, well, awesome. He he says, I'm ecstatic. I'm ecstatic because you believed me about little stuff. You believed me that I cared about you. I trusted you enough to give you these five bags of gold. You believed me that someday I would come back. You believed me that I am a good and faithful master. 
It's an exact contrast to the one guy who, who didn't believe that his master was a, a good and faithful master. It's the contrast with a guy who, who said, no, my bosses, they're just out to get money. They don't actually like me. They don't actually care about me. That's what he said. These guys said, yeah, my boss really does love me. And God has said then to him, I love you and I accept you. Not because you've done such a, a great job, but because somebody else died for you. My son, Jesus Christ, died. And I love you enough then to trust you with all of my wealth, all of my riches. This is the gospel, friends. You're loved and you're accepted. Not because you do such a great job with everything that God has given you, but because he's glad to have you. He just wants to have you for himself. And you know what that does for you? When you and I see that, it's a, it does, what it does for us is, is the more we see that he trusts us, that he wants us, that he loves us, the more trustworthy you and I become. Now, this is, this is totally counterintuitive, okay? This is really very counterintuitive. We become trustworthy that when we see how much God trusts us. Let me, let me ask you this. When was the, the last time you saw a 15-year-old get handed the car keys? And when the last time you saw a 15-year-old get handed the car keys, did you say to yourself, oh, finally, finally this kid is going to become a responsible, trustworthy adult. Finally, I'll be able to trust them with all of my good things. Did you say that? No, absolutely not. You said, get out of the way. Call the cops. Shut the streets down. It's going to be crazy. Right? Didn't you say that? See, we, we don't believe that the more we trust somebody, the more trustworthy we come. But that, that's what God, that's what God does for you and me. Let me give us a, 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 an illustration just to really help us see it. Uh, there was a man named Clay. And Clay, he was one of these guys, he, he really wanted to make a difference in life. He remembers back when he was in kindergarten, he wanted to be the line leader because he thought he could get all the kids to the bathroom faster. And, and nobody trusted him to be the line leader. Um, when he got his first job, all anybody would let him do was go and get coffee and pick up sick kids from daycare. And he said, we could do things here so much better, but nobody gave him any responsibility. And, and then at the same time, he started to get into a little bit of ministry to help high school kids. He was, his job was to lecture them and to give them practical training situations. It was obvious that the kids loved the practical training situations and they flourished in them, but, but he, he, didn't, he didn't feel trusted enough to make the choices so that the, the kids could do more of that. Instead, he just ignored it. What happened is, is the more that... He didn't act in a trustworthy way. He was, he was not responsible, and, and he says he didn't feel trusted. And then he got into ministry. He quit his job full-time, and he went into ministry. He became a pastor. And in ministry, then, he had a, a boss who, with some other people, gave him materials and resources and instructions to carry out an event for a weekend. It wasn't his materials. It wasn't his instructions. It was none of his stuff. He tried to pull off the event, and it failed miserably. It was a terrible event. Uh, nobody had a good time. And so the week after, he met with his boss, Andy, and he said, all right, we need to talk about this. Why did this fail? And he had all of his reasons. He said, you know, we got the materials late, the materials were poorly planned out, and, and they just really lacked creativity. 
And his boss looked at him with, with honest eyes and said, so if the materials weren't good, why didn't you just make them great? And it was the first time that anybody had really trusted him. It was the first time that somebody had said to him, not only do you have the materials and the resources that you need, I trust you to get this thing done. And that changed everything for him. He became responsible. He became trustworthy. He said this. He said, when people feel trusted, they make better decisions to keep that trust. Now, that is grossly intuitive or grossly counterintuitive. But God is saying, I trust you enough. And so, friends, here's my invitation to you today. Be trustworthy. Be reliable with the stuff that God has given you. He trusts you enough to give it to you. Take part of the resources he has given you and use them to raise good families. Children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Take part of the resources that God has given you and use them to make great gospel-preaching Christian congregations. Take part of the resources he's given you and use them to care for the poor and the needy and the orphans because that is good and pleases God our Father. And take part of the resources that he has given you and use them to take care of the great body and life that he has given you. Be trustworthy. And when you see how much God trusts you with his son, with his life, you'll be more trustworthy than you ever imagined. Can we pray for that? Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you that you gave us your one and only son, that we might know the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Too often we let materialism and greed blind us and we use our resources for our own gain and our own benefit. We're not reliable and trustworthy with all of this stuff. But we pray that we might be. We might be trustworthy because you have trusted us with the greatest gifts. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.